The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. What's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat, picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket, outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. You guys, I went on an airplane. Can you believe it? I literally went on the airplane for the first time since COVID has started. And it was really freaky, actually. I'm not going to lie. So I went to see my family in Charleston, South Carolina for my nephew's graduation from college. And I, you know, living in Southern California and Los Angeles, we're super, super careful about masks and I'm fully vaccinated. And even like walk, people still wear their masks when they go on walks. There is no way in hell you could go into, into Starbucks without a mask on or anywhere. So I get to this different planet called Charleston, South Carolina. And I completely, like I'm hundred percent vaccinated, but I was like, what the hell is going on? Nobody was wearing masks. Like I felt kind of 
like really freaked out in the beginning. But then I was like, wait a second, I'm vaccinated. I don't have to be freaked out. By the end, I was like hugging people and like pretty much making out with people's parents. Like I haven't like shook people's hands in like a year. So now that I'm vaccinated, I'm seriously thinking I'm going to turn into like some crazy person that's going to just like start like kissing people that I don't even know. It's going to be like the movie Hair. I might be like running naked through the street dancing. Yes, I still have my COVID-15 on, but I don't even care. This is a party. I got my vaccination. I did what I was supposed to. And if I want to make out with some rando person's dad at a graduation, I am going to. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. I want my husband to know that that was a complete lie. Anyways, I'm going to invite my beautiful guest, Samantha, on to to tell me, Samantha, have you been fully vaxxed yet? I have, and I have similar feelings to you. It's also funny you say that because I am going on my first plane trip today, actually, and I haven't been on a plane in probably at least since the pandemic started. It might've been even longer. I don't think it's, I don't think I've gone on a plane since 2019. So I will see what that's like later on today. Yeah. And I'm in New York. So same thing. Everyone's all about masks and even still going outside on walks with masks. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to mentally prepare, but I am fully vaccinated. Where are you going? To Denver. Okay. I don't know if people in Denver will be like people in the deep South, but like, I mean, you would never, you would never even know that there was COVID. And honestly, I would not have been comfortable whatsoever if I wasn't fully vaccinated But get on that plane, be like happy with the teeny tiny water bottle in the bag and the hand sanitizer they're going to give you. I had to sit on the way back and the very back seat of the plane because I've tried to jump on an earlier flight and I was seriously sitting next to these two people and they were making out the entire flight. And you know what? A year ago, that would have bothered me, but I didn't even care. I was like, go for it. We're on a plane. The world is opening. Go get your vaccine, everyone. So hi, everybody. Today, I am so excited to have my guest on, Samantha Wetgee. She and I met, I think, over Instagram. And I was so interested in following her and her messaging that she's putting out into the universe She is the co-founder of the 16 Strong Project and an adolescent mental health well-being advocate. So she puts out just such interesting um, content onto her Instagram that I started following her and I just reached out to her and I said, hey, would you be interested in coming on my podcast? So hi, Samantha. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here. And I'm so glad you did reach out. I'm so excited to to talk to you and be part of this too. Well, I think too, once we actually spoke, we have, um, you know, similar stories. And, um, and so I'm always interested in people that take their life and they kind of like learn from the things that they've gone through in their life, which could be really difficult and they turn it around to help other people. And I think that that's the most amazing thing that you could possibly be doing. Not to mention the fact that you are very young and you um, make me feel really bad about myself because you're actually in Harvard graduate school. 
Is that correct? I was. I graduated from Harvard Graduate School of Education two years ago now, 2019, but I still do some work with a social emotional learning lab there. And do not feel okay, bad about well, yourself. You know what? You are awesome. I feel really bad. I feel really bad about myself. I went to, I talk about it a lot. I went to Lynchburg College, shout out Hornets, um, now University of Lynchburg. But anyways, why don't we start with um, you telling me a little bit about um, your uh, 16 Strong project and what you're doing and what we what you do. And then we can kind of go into your story on why you started it. Sure. Yeah. So 16 Strong is a program that is designed to empower resilience to adverse childhood experiences. So, or ACEs for short. So we work with young people, typically middle school and high school students to help them better understand what ACEs are, um, what that means, um, how to recognize if they might be experiencing some kind of adversity that might be impacting them in a negative way. Um, and also understanding what they can do about it while they're going through it. So thinking about positive coping skills, strong support systems, and other sorts of tools and strategies to overcome some of the negative impacts of ACEs or trauma or adversity during adolescence so that they can have really positive outcomes. Um, And the idea is to hopefully, it's to take a proactive approach to youth mental health by really trying to get to the root cause of some mental health challenges as well as substance use issues where we see a lot of those link to some form of trauma or adversity. And so thinking about if we can recognize that, can we stop some of these issues from developing before they even start? Can you break down what ACEs stands for for my audience? Of course. Yeah. So ACEs stands for adverse childhood experiences. And what those are, are potentially traumatic events that occur during childhood or before the age of 18. So things like um, different forms of neglect and abuse, living with a parent who struggles with mental illness or addiction, um, loss of a parent or family member, having an incarcerated parent, um, any sort of adversity that you might face um, during childhood. It could be inside the home or outside of the home. We also include things like bullying or experiencing racism to be ACEs as well, or even the pandemic that we're all currently going through is definitely a form of adversity that, that we've all had to face in the last year. So, Why exactly did you start this project, this 16 Strong project? Yeah, good question. So I started 16 Strong really as a result of my own personal experiences. So growing up, I my father struggled with mental illness and addiction that led him to certain behaviors that kind of really, really impacted our family. In high school, I felt really alone because I really didn't understand. I knew he struggled with mental illness and addiction, but I didn't really know what that meant for me. Um, And I felt like no one would understand what I was going through or what I was talking about. I thought I was the absolute only person who had ever gone through such a thing because we didn't learn about it and no one ever talked about it. Um, So when I first graduated high school, when I went to college, I kind of went as far away from it as possible. And I actually studied economics and worked in the finance world when I first graduated college because I went into, I was, I was looking for stability. I was like, okay, I'm going to get this quote unquote, good job, stable job, high paying job, whatever. And it's going to give me the stability that I didn't really feel like I had growing up. 
Um, and then I realized that wasn't motivating to me anymore either. Um, and so I kind of took a step back and started reflecting on my own experiences and how I had gotten to where I was and was thinking about what am I passionate about? What impact do I want to make? What do I want to do? And I started thinking about how I did not understand my own situation while I was going through it when I was in high school. So I started thinking about like, are there programs that exist that teach kids in high school that I just didn't have, or do they exist now? And they didn't when I was in high school teaching kids about impacts of family member mental illness and addiction. And so I started looking into that and I didn't really find anything. And so that's when I decided I want to do something about this. Um, and I started thinking about what is you know, what does that look like? How do I provide resources to kids who are struggling like I did? Um, and that's when I made the decision to kind of go the route of education and trying to educate kids and raise awareness about these topics, ACEs and mental health, um, because I realized that there was a piece where if you don't know that you're going through something or know that you're being impacted by something, you're not just going to go ahead and look up resources for something. So I realized there was this recognition piece. I, I, I love that you're, you know, chronologically you're young, um, way younger than me. Obviously, I'm a dinosaur. But I think it's so important that you, when you, you said a few minutes ago, you said, you know, I, I was hiding. I went into finance. I did other stuff. I didn't want to go. You know, it's when you um, have gone through trauma like we both have in our lives, that's so typical. And, um, you know, I'm in my forties and just in the past, like two years, I've started my real hard work behind getting past my, um, my trauma from a really young age. I told you I've been diagnosed with complex PTSD. And, um, and so I love what you're doing because it's so true. And I feel like throughout COVID is really like when people are starting to say, well, I'm okay talking about this now. This is okay for me to say that this happened to me. Whereas before, I'm sure you would agree with me, we were all hiding behind some sort of like Oz. Like it wasn't like we, none of us have problems. We all like, we look good from the outside, right? But what's really going on inside? And I will tell you, um, every day is different. For me, and I don't know if you go through this too, but um, I had a really hard morning <laughs> and I, some days I wake up and, um, and I just am like, I don't, I'm not having a good day. I'm depressed. And now what I've learned from some of the tools that I have is I'm okay. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say I'm struggling today. And, um, so I, I, I hate to go off on a tangent like that, but just to hear what you're doing for young children, especially because that's when it really starts, you know, um, the trauma starts when your developmental brain at such a young age. And, you know, if you're bullied on the playground, for example, I know that you talked about that, you're going to bring that into adulthood and always feel that. I'm afraid to bond with, you know, if you're a girl, other girls, are they going to hurt me? All of this stuff that you, you, you turn, you are, you turn into as an adult is all a reflection of what you went through as a child. So I'm just 
I'm obsessed with what you're doing. Can I use that word? That's a little weird, but I am. I'm like your groupie. And I am kind of your groupie because I was like, anytime you post something on Instagram, I'm always like, yeah, double heart, heart, heart. You know, I just, (laughs) I love what you're doing. And I think you're just amazing. So can we backpedal a little bit into your childhood and go back a little bit? And can you tell me about um, where you grew up and just like kind of about your family? Sure. So I grew up in suburbs of New York City and my family was growing up was myself, my brother, my mom and my dad. Um, But my dad actually hasn't been part of my life since I was in middle school. So that's been a piece that is not consistent with my childhood, I guess. So I haven't seen or spoken to my father since I was about 13. That's when we moved out and me, my mom, my brother moved out. Um, and that was a result of things that stem from mental illness and addiction that had led to certain actions that sort of destroyed our family in a way and left the three of us with basically nothing, um, no home, little money, and really just had each other. So, but an issue for us was that we, people thought we were okay. People thought that oh, this family is great. They're put together. Um, my father's family, he had four, has four siblings and they were really active in the community. So no one believed my mom when she would look for help or look for support um, because everyone knew, knew the family. Well, that's such a great family. How could that happen? Or he wouldn't do that. He comes from this family and comes from that. And so no one believed my mom when she tried to get help for the three of us. So we were kind of on our own. Um, did you move away? Did you move away out of the town? No, we stayed in the same town because at that time, my brother was going to be a senior in high school and I was just about to start high school. And so my mom was committed to not moving us totally away from like our entire lives, which I, it definitely presented some challenges. Um, but I think it still made things sort of easier for us rather than having to adjust to a whole new life in high school. But it did mean that things came up for us throughout our high school time, because of course, by our last name or something, people are able to make the connection to a certain family. And so as a high school student, that was really hard when people would be like, oh, you're related to this person, you're related to that person. And it's either someone that I hadn't seen in years and I didn't even feel connected to anymore. Or I, one time I'll tell this short side story, cause this was real. And what I faced, um, I was an athlete in high school. So I was playing in a, a basketball game. I was probably 15 or 16 and some random person came up to me after the game and said, um, mentioned my father's name said, is that person your father? Um, and I kind of just stopped and stared cause I was a kid and, He said, is this person your father? I hope not. And just walked away. And so to this day, I still don't know who this person was. Um, But this, these were real things that happened because we still lived in the same community and the family was well known. And so those were things that I had to face throughout high school and kind of kept being reminded of things that I was trying to forget. Yeah. And that, and that must be, I I think sometimes we have to make decisions in life to part ways or, 
even if it is a parent, um, if it's a, if it's a an abusive parent or you're there sometimes for your own mental health and to be able to move forward in life, you have to be estranged. But I think that that is so brave of your mom. What an amazing mom you have, you know, just to be able to say, I'm going to put my kids first. I'm going to make this decision as hard as, as it is, because like you said, I mean, people are so judgmental. So that couldn't have been easy be, for your mom to pick up and just say, I'm owning this. I'm going to not have any money. I'm going to start over. I'm going to do this for my children. That's how lucky you are to have that parent. Yeah. And I am thankful every single day because she absolutely is the best. So, um, yeah. And I am, that's the other thing though, is I did have a lot of people who would say to me, well, at least you have your mom. And yes, I was incredibly grateful and thankful for that. And I don't know where we would be if that wasn't the case, but it's still, that didn't help solve what had happened with my father, our whole situation. So when people didn't really know what to say, they're like, well, like, at least you have your mother. And again, I'm so, so thankful, so grateful that I do and did, but it didn't solve that still wasn't addressing like everything that had taken place. It doesn't take away when people say things like that. It's so interesting. Um, It's like if you lose a parent, I remember losing when my dad passed away. People sometimes just don't know what to say. So they would be like, "Um, I am, I'm so sorry about your dad. I lost my aunt like two years ago. And you're like, why would you say that? You know? Yeah. (laughs) So I think people don't, mean it in a way that it comes across. I think people are just so uncomfortable with dealing with reality and not when things that really happen. And for the people that actually decide to make a change and step out and, you know, do what your mom did, there's so many people that stay in the situation of the abuse or the alcoholism or the drug addiction, just so they can have that house, you know, that house or that security and the actual from the outside, oh, we're a happy family. Whereas it takes so much bravery for the people that say, I'm not okay with this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to step out of the box and I'm going to start over. And you're a lot like your mom. I know I don't know your mom, but for you to um, do what you're doing and help others and, you know, do this amazing work that you're doing with children is, is, is unbelievable. So thank you for doing that. I wish that I had somebody like you when I was a kid to reach out to, cause I didn't, I had no, like, probably like you, I had nobody except for like my psychiatrist who was very odd and would just like write down notes about me. And I felt like he was very strange. So Um, let's talk about more about like, so once you, your family went on and then you kind of went through high school and you were an athlete, did, did things get easier? Was your dad still in the picture at all? Or he was completely living in the same town, but you just had no, no contact with him. Yeah, it was the second one. He was still living in the same town, but we just had no contact with him. Um, and that was a choice that we made also because um, we, my brother and I were technically old enough to make that decision for ourselves by that point. Um, 
I think it's, if I forget the age, there's a certain age that you have to be where you're able to make that decision for yourself. And we were that age. So that was also a choice by us because we knew what the situation was and we knew what had happened. Um, and it was just for us to be able to move forward. That was the choice that we made. So it did get, it did get a little easier. And I really do like to say that I overall had a really good, like, high school career. Like I had friends and I played sports and I did well in school, but there were all of these things that were going on inside that were hard to deal with. But overall, I did have a positive experience, but it was me, I think, taking things into my own control and studying really hard because I could control that or working really hard in um, different sports because I could control that. And they were ways to kind of be out of the house and keep busy and, and things like that. So I do think that I was able to, that was sort of how I took control of the situation, I guess, because there were so many things in my life that were beyond my control that these were things that I personally could do well in if I, you know, put the time into it. And that's what I did. Were you in therapy? Did your mom put you in therapy at a, at a young age or was that just something down the line? I was not in therapy. So I was quite stubborn. I would say I still kind of am. And I remember when I started high school, um, the school was aware of the situation because my mom made sure to, you know, tell the guidance counselors and the school social workers what the situation was at home, just in case anything were to happen at school, they needed to be aware. So I remember when I first started high school, the school social worker called me into her office and it's, I'm laughing because I have a really good relationship to her with her to this day where I mm. run some of the 16 strong workshops with her in her classes in my old high school. Um, but I will never forget when I, she called me into her office, I was a ninth grader um, and was talking about, you know, asking me, how are you doing? Like what's going on? Like trying to see if there was anything that I wanted to talk about. Cause she was aware somewhat of like my home situation. And I remember distinctly, I just started crying. Didn't say a word. I just started crying and I was like, no, like I probably at some point said, no, nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. But I was hysterical crying. And the counselor, she looked at me and said, well, if everything's fine, why are you crying? Like there's something going on. Um, but I still didn't want to talk about it. And so since I wouldn't talk about it, it just counseling was not just not an option for me because I was stubborn. I kept everything to myself. I thought people wouldn't understand I like to do the thing where I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, can't you tell I'm fine? I'm smiling. Like I did. I was a big, um, I'm fine smile type of person. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's interesting that you say that because you talk about like hiding yourself in like sports and school and having friends. And, you know, I did the same thing with, I was, acting and doing theater. And I would always hide myself behind characters and kind of like dream about this bigger life, you know, that I'm going to get out of here and my life's going to be so big. And so I think that's pretty typical that, um, you know, our young brains as teenagers, even though we think we're, you know, so old and we can do anything and we can conquer the world, we still are teenagers and kids and we're, our, our minds aren't developed, which, um, which I'm sure you understand because that's what you deal with every day. Um, once you got to the, to the point where you were like in college or, you know, I think you graduate school, did you actually get yourself into therapy yourself before all of this happened? Like 
came upon you? Or are you in therapy now? I'm actually not right now. So I was able to kind of find my own things that work for me. And I think that doing this work is something that's been very, very helpful for me because make a difference in the lives of other people in a way that I didn't have for myself has been honestly incredibly therapeutic in a way. Um, so I'm not currently actually in therapy. Um, have you ever been? Okay. It's not for everyone. And like I said, yeah, I said this on, I said this on, I've said it on multiple episodes because I always give my, my therapist, Dr. Nay, shout outs because I love her because she really saved my life. But I, I can tell you a whole slew of people that I call my therapist, I say I dated them because it's like going on a blind date. You have to find the right one. Right. And I had ones that would just be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry to hear all that. But they would be like taking notes and, you know, it just wasn't genuine. So I love that you have found your way of, of overcoming what you went through in your life and it's through helping other people. Right. Yeah. I always like to talk about that too, where I tell people that what works for one person doesn't mean it'll be what's best for you. And I think that's always so important to remind everyone, um, especially when it comes to like, you know, positive coping skills or going to therapy or a lot of people talk often about how meditation is so good for them, which is another thing that I have tried so many times and it just does not work for me. But I don't want anybody to feel discouraged thinking like, oh, this works for meditation works for everyone. Therapy works for everyone. What's wrong with me? Like, why isn't it working for me? And so I do like to always say it's just different things work for different people. And it's about finding that thing that works best for you to get through your challenges or your feelings and and work through that. I say the same thing. So I've become um, like I, I started doing Reiki which I never in a million years would have thought that I would be doing. I was like, when somebody said Reiki to me a few years ago, I was like, that's really weird. Like that's hippy dippy. No, I would never do it. And then I went and I'm obsessed with it, but like, there's no way in hell I could meditate or sit still. I can't even get a massage for God's sakes. Like my brain is always working. The same way. Yeah. So, um, So when you, now that you started, um, 16 strong, which has been around now for a few years. Yeah. About three or four. Okay. Do you, how do you, how does one find you? Like, where do they go, um, to, um, reach out or where would somebody that's struggling, like, how do you, um, deal with the public? How do people find you? Yeah, that's a good question. So we, 16 Strong kind of works in a few different ways. We have partnerships with different schools um, or with different classes within schools where I often work alongside a school counselor who has designated time with students um, or who is able to run a class with students in their school to run a um, educational workshop that we've developed as part of 16 Strong. So that workshop talks about... um, kind of everything that we've been mentioning, um, adverse childhood experiences or ACEs, teaching kids about what that means, what the potential impacts might be, what it means to find positive coping skills, how to find strong support systems and who those people are in your life. Um, And we also connect all of those topics back to uh, sort of things that they're already engaging with. So we'll look at songs or we'll look at TV shows or other forms of media just to help young people find 
things that you're already watching these things or you're already listening to these things and these topics are coming up here or you might find this character relatable trying to give them a sense of a source of like relatability for what they might experience might what for what they might be experiencing to feel like you're not alone um and to understand that so many other people are going through similar things you know they won't be identical stories but the impacts are similar and they'll manifest differently in, in everyone. So there's a workshop piece of it where we partner, like I said, with schools or school counselors, school social workers. Um, and one of my favorite parts is we also have a number of student led initiatives. So I've really focused a lot on how to get youth leaders directly involved in this work so that they can be the ones to bring it to their schools and their communities and educate their peers and even their, the adults in their lives about what this means, why people should care about it, and how kids are being impacted. I've found that they they want to be leaders and they want to know this information. So we've developed a youth advocacy board um, that serve as advisors to us, and we help support them to bring this mission and this message to their schools and communities. We recently have started a student ambassador program and a club chapter program. So a lot of our focus now is on raising awareness among young people in whatever way we can. And this youth leader, student leader um, route has proven to be really cool and, and really successful. It's been awesome to see what, what these teenagers have done with this information once they have it and their motivation to do more. I have kids that are working with us that come to me and say, this needs to be bigger. It needs to be beyond my school. Like, what can we do? How can we make this bigger? More kids need to know about this. Like, yes, it's great that I am doing this in my own school, but we need to do more. And so that's like a dream for me for this to be coming from kids, because that's really my goal. Like I'm an adult now. I'm, of course you mentioned, I'm still young, but I am an adult. So I do want to teach them and have it come from them because that's where change happens. They can turn around and say, hey, this is what's happening to us. This is how we're feeling. We need to do something about it. And it'll mean a lot more um, coming from them. So can you imagine, like, I think about this often. I cannot imagine what it would be like to be a teenager right now with the social media and the on top of that, add in COVID add in all of the stuff that kids go through and just the amount of depression and the suicide rates of, of teenagers. And, you know, it's just so, so high. So for people that like, is your, is your program national or is it affiliated with public schools or can, you know, if a teenager were to be listening to this or somebody's mother or father and they wanted to reach out to you, how would they do that? It is, to answer your first question, it is national. And I think that the last year, everyone being remote and online has actually helped that because we've all been able to see like, hey, this is all possible through computers and, and through Zoom or other kinds of technology. So it is national. We have different schools on board, uh, private and public. It's it's both. It's just a matter of who has heard about it, expressed interest. Um, and the way that we're contacted is usually through, through our website or through email, um, our website's just 16strongproject.com and there's information about all of our programs, um, student opportunities and otherwise on there. Um, what are your long-term goals with the 16 Strong Project? So I would say our, 
I mean, my absolute long-term like dream goal is to have this be a mandatory course or something in almost all, at least high schools across the country. Cause I've, I just think it's so important. And I've had so many kids who have gone through it, come to me and say the same thing. They're like, how can we get this in more schools? Like everyone needs to learn about this. We shouldn't be the only ones because it's made such an impact on them to understand what these things are like that they're going through and to understand that they have a name and that so many other kids are also going through them. So that's like very lofty, like very long-term dream goal. Um, but I do think it's, it's necessary. We're starting to talk a lot more about mental health, but I think that there is so much value in getting to the root cause of why are so many more kids feeling depressed and why are, you know, suicide rates increasing so much? Like what is going on that is causing this because it's noticeable and the numbers say that. So getting to talking about the root causes and things like ACEs and and other forms of trauma, I think is so important and can change so many outcomes by having that level of understanding. I know for me, when I first learned the term ACEs or adverse childhood experiences, it was like, so eye-opening to me because it told me what I had gone through or what I was going through rather than always speaking through the lens of like, well, my father has mental illness and addiction, which is true, but it gave me a name for what I had faced, that being ACEs or trauma um, that I didn't know about before. And it, I think it can be so beneficial for, for so many kids, for so many other kids to have the same realization, hopefully while they're, you know, still going through it and still a teenager. It makes me, it makes me actually like want to cry because I think that like in a good way, I'm just, I always do this when I'm, I'm doing my interviews. I tell people, I'm like, I'm so proud of you. Like I'm somebody's granny, but, um, I really feel that way. And I feel like if I were, I was struggling so much in, you know, boarding school, high school, that age and, Um, If I just had a program like what you're doing, I think about maybe I wouldn't have had all of the issues in the past two years because I would have had the tools to be able to deal with it at a younger age and not push everything down. So I'm, I'm actually on a mission to like, you know, put out the word on what you're doing. I think it's amazing. And I want to help you in any way that I can. So, um, I just think, you know, my dad used to say this all the time. He said, be happy by helping others, be happy by helping other people. And that's kind of what you're doing. And I I don't know if you look back and you, I mean, you said, you know, mental health issues, you can get help in all different kinds of ways. Some people exercise, some people do meditation. Some people, I go to therapy. I have to be right now at this point in my life on Zoloft, but it might not be forever. There's all different ways that we can get out, you know, um, dealing with our issues and talking, helping other people, doing what you're doing is just unreal. And I'm so grateful to you. So thank you. Thank you so much. And for all your support. Um, Yeah, I think I hid all of this for so long, like for my whole life, I hid all of this. And it wasn't until I had this realization of, oh, I want to help kids who were like me, 
that I, I wouldn't say I had to start talking about my personal experiences that no one would have ever forced me to, but it was just a natural thing because people would always wonder, well, you know, you were a financial economics major, you worked in finance. Why do you want to do this? And so it kind of just came up naturally to explain, well, I want to do this because this was my life also. And when I started talking about my own experiences, I realized the impact that it had on other people. I think for so long, I, it was just my life. So I didn't realize how much, like what it would mean to other people when I shared it. And when I saw that, that's when I kind of was like, people are looking for things like this. They're inspired by other people's stories. They have said to me, that sounds like exactly like my story, or I was just like you in high school and people thought nothing was wrong because I looked fine. Um, and I guess for me, that's, sort of what's continued to like drive me to keep doing this is the impact that I've seen my story have. And also the impact that I've seen this work have and this knowledge have on the kids that I've worked with so far. So it was definitely, I never talked about my story. I had one of my best friends who I met in college and she's still one of my best friends. She listened to a podcast that I did last year. And she said, she sent me a text message. She said, I never knew what your situation was. Like, I never knew what happened with your father. And she was like, I understand why you never shared it, but like, I wish I would have known. So I could have been there for you while you were going through it. And I really, really appreciate that. And I know she means it, but I wasn't ready to talk about it even when I was in college. And then afterwards, I didn't really go back to people that I had met during that time or go back to old friends and say, Hey, actually I had all this stuff going on. I kind of just like kept going through Um, but now, you know, it's, it's, it was never a secret. It was just something that I was like, well, I want to get away from this. So I'm just not going to tell people. And if people don't know, then they'll never talk about it either. So it'll just never come up. So, but ever since I started doing this work, it's just been a natural progression into like sharing my story and my experiences. And it's really been eye opening to see the impact that it has on other people when I do share. I think that, um, everybody has a time when they're, you know, it's like, you might not be ready in your life you to deal and to talk about things that you've gone through in your past. And that's fine. We shouldn't make people feel like they have to talk about something when they're not ready. I think about you sitting in that office of your school counselor and you burst out crying, but it wasn't your time. It wasn't your time to share that. You know, um, I've, I've always kind of been, I know this is shocking to you and my audience, kind of an open book. And I'll tell you like anything. I'm like, I've been like that my whole life to the point where I'll talk to like the valet Parker and tell him stuff that happens to me, you know? Um, but, but I wasn't always able to share all of it. There was stuff that I didn't, I was scared to talk about and embarrassed or, you know, not ready. And we shouldn't make anybody in life feel like they have to put that stuff out there. Instead, you do what you're doing and just say, when you're ready, if you need me, I am a resource. And just, I think having kids or, you know, anybody know that that's out there is really amazing because we, I didn't have that. I don't, you didn't have that. So moving forward, just to be able to grow what you're doing and have kids know that when they're ready, they have this resource is, 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 is just amazing. Um, where can people find you on, on social media? 
Um, we primarily do, we primarily use Instagram. So we are at 16 strong project. Um, and that's like our main social media platform right now. I hope to expand to more, but we, we do primarily use Instagram and all of our information is on our website too, which is linked to our Instagram as well. Okay, perfect. Please, if you're listening right now um, and you know somebody or teenager or kid or somebody's parent that has a child that you know might be struggling or you work in um, in schools or I know that my older sister um, is a teacher and has been for God, like over 20 years. And I'm going to be like running to tell her about this after we finish this podcast. Um, I'm just so grateful to you that you wanted to share your story with my audience and talk about what you're doing to help others. I'm a huge advocate of yours and a big giant fan. I will still be writing my heart emojis and talking about you for years to come. And I'm just so grateful that you came on today and I'm happy to know you. So thank you. Thank you so much. And and your support means so much to me. I think it's just, it just reaffirms, I think, everything that I'm doing. And it's so important for me to have support from people like you and, and others as well. So thank you. And thank you for inviting me on. And yeah, I, I'm excited to, you know, see what happens. And I'm so grateful that to be here and to share this with your audience as well. We need more people like you in this world. I think that if we had more people doing the kinds of things that you're doing, we would be a lot, we wouldn't be in the shit storm that we're in right now as a country and a planet. But I'm just going to say that. And by the way, I'm allowed to cuss. Um, and I just wanted to tell <laughs> in closing my audience, thank you so much for um putting up with me and listening to my stories and laughing if I make you laugh sometimes and understanding that not every day I'm going to be like wanting to laugh. I try my best. Um, You know, I said earlier in the show, I was struggling today and I'm very open with that. And I want you guys to all know that it's okay to struggle. Life's all about peaks and valleys. We're going to have good days and bad days. Sometimes I'm going to be struggling on my own podcast. And you might not think that my story in the beginning was fine. And that's okay, Brenda. Go listen to somebody else's podcast. Brenda's one of my names I use. Um, But if you like my podcast and you want to listen, please um, share it with your friends, subscribe, and I love a good review. If you don't like my podcast, Brenda, then please don't listen anymore. And I'm just kidding. Um, I just wanted to say thank you to you guys. Thank you, Samantha. You're awesome. And keep living, keep praying, and keep growing. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.